emanating from www.michaelnimmons.com. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. This is Michael Eric Dyson. This is Rochelle Riley, straight out of Detroit. This is Dr. Victoria Dooley at Dr. Dooley MD. Well, everybody, it's your boy, comedian Jay Stevens. This is Frederick D. Haynes III. I am Justin Coates, an author and anti-bullying activist. I am Pam Perry. Hey, everybody, this is Rochelle V. Mann, CEO of Man Made Productions. This is Bree Diane, international evangelist. Hey, this is Candace Pretty Strange Smith. And what's up? This is Ty Scott King. I was cracking Planet Earth. It's your boy Griff, comedian, author, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, philanthropist, but a Jesus Christ lover. You understand me? And you're listening to Thinking Out Loud Radio with my homeboy, Michael Nemes. Check him out right here. Go ahead, Mike. Give him that good, good. I want you to give a warm Thinking Out Loud Radio show welcome to Emmy Award winning WXYZ Channel 7 anchor woman and new friend of the show, Miss Carolyn Clifford. Well, thank you, Michael, and what a nice introduction. So happy to be here. You know what I've got to do. i got to check out my man, Michael Nimmons, who is handling his business as he drops that knowledge. I like that because Frederick Douglass, for whom I'm named, says that knowledge unfits us for slavery. Truth sets us free. If you want to be free, you want to be like Mike. Check out the best radio show online. You're locked in right now to our listening. You're tuned into this. And without thinking about it, guess what? I'm thinking out loud right here on a Thinking Out Loud radio show. And if you want to stay in the know, you better be listening to Thinking Out Loud radio show. You're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Check out Thinking Out Loud. Thinking Out Loud radio show. Thinking Out Loud radio show. Don't you dare touch that dial. The Thinking Out Loud radio show with Michael Nimmons. Featuring author, motivational speaker, and minister, Michael Nimmons. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And I'm your host, author, motivational speaker, and minister, Michael Nemens. And you're tuned in to the show that's giving voice to issues that matter to you. Thank you so much for tuning in to tonight's show. Guys, we've got another great show in store for you. We're calling it The Gospel According to Reverend Marcia L. Dyson. That's right, guys. She's back on the show, and she's definitely bringing the heat. She's bringing the fire <laughs> on tonight's show. I can't wait to share this interview with her. She's been on the show before. Uh, if you recall, she was uh, on talking about women in politics uh, several months ago. Uh, you can always go back to listen to uh, those uh, that podcast. is part one and part two. Go to our website, michaelnemons.com. And you'll be able to listen to that uh, powerful interview we had with her 
uh, the first time she was on the show, Women in Politics. She did a phenomenal job talking about uh, this um, weighty subject, women in politics. And for those who do not know, uh, Reverend Marcia L. Dyson is the wife of Dr. Michael Eric Dyson, a um, intellectual uh, liter- literary juggernaut. juggernaut. <laughs> uh, and uh, I am a huge fan of his. And we have his better half on the show with us on tonight talking about uh, a myriad of topics from Kobe Bryant to uh, the 2020 presidential election uh, to uh, the impeachment Senate trial, a number of different topics. We cover them all. So so we're going to be breaking this up again into two parts. Part one is tonight, the gospel according to Marcia, Reverend Marcia L. Dyson. And she gives it to us, uh, you know, lays it right out for you on the table uh, <laughs> and uh, I really enjoy talking to her and I can't wait to share that interview with you on tonight of course we're going to be talking about uh, Kobe Bryant of course and you know his daughter Gianna Marie who were tragically killed and uh, along with seven others in a, this helicopter crash that took place on Sunday morning uh, during our what are you thinking about segment we're also going to be talking about them uh, doing our thought of the week. I mean, this is definitely uh, headline news. Of course, uh, we we have to talk about this. The world is talking about this, so we want to talk about it as well and give it its due. Uh, doing our what are you thinking about segment as well as our thought of the week. We're also going to be giving you an impeachment trial update. There are some things going on, guys. It's heating up. The uh, Democrats have finished. Uh, their arguments uh, before the uh, Senate. Now the Republicans have begun their oral arguments and their defense of President Trump. <laughs> Not that there really is one, uh, you know. Uh, so, um, but uh, we're going to be talking about the timeline that's in front of us uh, regarding the impeachment trial and um, what we can expect from it in the uh, next few days. So we'll be talking about that during our What Are You Thinking About segment. We're also going to be talking about a couple journalists who made some really, um, you know, really big mistakes, I think. Uh, and I'm not, well, I'm, you might want to, might not want to call them mistakes. I'm not sure. The, you know, the, it, it really, I guess, gets into the intent and the motives behind uh, what was actually done. We're going to talk about that. Uh, and they're directly related to the Kobe Bryant um, tragic acts helicopter accident. So we got a lot to talk about during our "What Are You Thinking About" segment, and that's coming up in just a few minutes. Remember to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at TOL Radio Host MSN or TOL Radio Show. We love to hear from you. Um, also, go to our website, michaelnemons.com. Leave us a comment on our Thinking Out Loud official radio show page. Or send us an email at contact at michaelnemons.com. We would love to hear from you. This is the People Show. <laughs> That's right, guys. We love to hear from you. We want to know what your thoughts are, what you think of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Get at us, man. Let us know uh, how you're enjoying our show. 
And finally, our thought of the week. We're going to be dealing with the question, what is life? What is life? You know, we got to really thinking about uh, the tragic uh, helicopter crash that took this NBA legend's life, as well as his 13-year-old daughter, Kobe Bryant, 41, his daughter, 13. Life filled with promise, uh, life headed on a positive trajectory, and yet it was taken away just like that. So we're going to talk about this a little bit during our thought of the week, and I can't wait to share it with you. So, guys, we've got a great show in store for you on tonight, so without any further ado, let's get to it. You is live. A sea of race fists and silence. 2020 fight is getting very real. Democrats jumping in, speaking out. Jussie Smollett. A month ago, few people knew who he was. You're watching The Breakfast Club. If you take it all into consideration, Stephen A. Listen, the argument that where where you absolutely disgust me. A dilemma right now. How you feeling? Better than I deserve. You feel better today? I'm getting there. Yeah. What are you thinking about? What's up, everybody? This is the January 28th edition of the What Are You Thinking About segment where we talk about what you're thinking about. And we, of course, start off tonight's show talking about the horrific and tragic helicopter crash of the nine individuals, including NBA legend Kobe Bryant and his daughter, Gianna Marie. Very tragic event that took place on Sunday morning, January the 26th, the world is still reeling from the news that this icon and his beloved daughter perished in this helicopter crash. According to the New York Times, three of the bodies were recovered on Sunday afternoon, officials said, but it took another day to locate the remaining six. Uh, right now, the Los Angeles coroner's office is working on positive identifications of each set of remains recovered from the crash site, officials said. And uh, here's what you need to know. Investigators have recovered the bodies of all nine victims. There was no black box on board, but officials are examining an iPad. Minutes before the crash, a man took a video of a helicopter circling overhead. The flight needed special clearance to fly through fog. Brian spent his final days coaching basketball. The Lakers won't play on Tuesday, but Orange Coast College will. Brian's English teacher became a lifelong friend. These are just some of the things that you need to know about what took place on January 26th. And certainly uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to the family of 
Kobe Bryant and uh, Gianna Marie, Vanessa Bryant, his wife and his three daughters. Um, he is survived by and uh, we're praying for them in this tragic loss. Uh, I really feel like we lost a family member of our own. I just couldn't believe it myself when I, I saw the news on social media. I thought it was a hoax like many of you. Uh, you know, some people you just think uh, are going to live forever. But we know that not to be the case, unfortunately. But we're going to be praying for um, the families of those that unfortunately lost their lives on this this helicopter. Um, investigators again recovered the bodies of all nine victims ever since authorities, according to New York Times, reached the rugged hillside near Calabas, California, where a helicopter came crashing down Sunday morning. Investigators have been meticulously combing the crash site using drone technology to, to survey the scene and manpower to delicately pick through the strewn shard wreckage. I'm just imagining what could be taking place there. And um, I know the crash site has got to be horrific, unbelievable. And, um, you know, you, of course, you've seen. The reactions across social media, across news outlets, athletes, uh, sportscasters, broadcasters, close friends, families, uh, fans are all reacting the same. They're all stunned and shocked by the news of this, uh, this young athlete's life being snuffed out. Uh, and so tragically and of course his daughter only 13 years old following or attempting to follow in her iconic father's footsteps so we just are, are, are just lifting that family up in our prayers I'm I'm positive Vanessa Bryant is just struggling right now with with all of this uh, and and I just hope that um that 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 uh, she is getting the the help that she needs, and you know the people around her are praying for her and lifting her up. I know I am, and I know many of you are, as well as those families again who lost their lives, loved ones who lost their lives on that helicopter on January 26. Let's continue to keep them in our deepest and sincerest prayers. In a related story, though, um, just hours after this tragic accident took place, uh, broadcasters and journalists were begin begin reporting about uh, what took place and what happened um, on that helicopter crash. Um, and you know, as they should, they're reporting on this news and letting. Uh, the world know what happened uh, to this helicopter but then there were a couple journalists who I'm just not sure exactly what they were thinking uh, <laughs> there is one journalist by the name of Allison Morris who uh, in her description of what happened to 
Kobe Bryant and those nine other, Kobe Bryant's daughter and those seven other passengers on the helicopter crash. And her description of Kobe Bryant talking about the team he used to play for uh, instead of saying, you know, we all know it was the L.A. Lakers he played for, uh, I believe it was for 20 years thereabout. Um, she uses the N word, it sounds like, although she's saying that she said Nakers. Uh, this is the apology that, I mean, this, this lady, this journalist immediately took to Twitter to apologize. And this is what she said earlier today while reporting on the tragic news of Kobe Bryant's passing. I unfortunately, unfortunately stirred a stuttered on air, combining the names of the Knicks and the Lakers to say Nakers. But please know I do not and would never use a racist term. I apologize for the confusion this caused. I don't know about you, but I can hear a G in there. I don't hear a K. <laughs> I want to know what you think. But please, I mean, if you hear a K, let me know. But I hear a strong G in there, which leads me to believe that she was what she was really trying to say. <laughs> but that's not all. We have another reporter uh, who, uh, in the aftermath of this helicopter crash, according to the Washington Post, of which she was a reporter, uh, uh, well, NBC News, this is an NBC News article. The Washington Post suspended reporter after Kobe Bryant rape allegations tweet. So this reporter thought it was appropriate in the aftermath of this tragic crash to get out on social media and tweet uh, about the rape case that was resolved years ago. A Washington Post reporter, according to NBC News, has been suspended after she tweeted an old article about Kobe Bryant being accused of rape shortly after the news of the NBA legend's death broke. Felicia Sanmez, a national political reporter for the Post on Sunday afternoon, tweeted a 2016 Daily Beast article with the headline, Kobe Bryant's Disturbing Rape Case, the DNA evidence, the accuser's story, and the half confession. Her tweet goes on to say, came in the moments after the stunning news broke that Bryant had died at age 41 in a helicopter crash in Los Angeles. His 13-year-old daughter, Gianna, and seven other people also died in the crash. Now, here it says, Sanmez later deleted the tweet and others defending her decision to share the article. Any public figure is worth remembering in their totality, even if that public figure beloved in that totality upsetting. Yeah, that might be true, but was that appropriate? Was that appropriate? I don't think it was. I mean, this case has been long since over and resolved. And why bring up that during this very sensitive and tragic time for this family? So, rightfully so, this reporter was suspended from the Washington Post. Could very well be fired. We don't know at this point. But at this stage of the game, I think the Washington Post did... Uh, 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 you know what was necessary and that was to 
let this reporter go. You know, I thought it was very poor taste. We should be, the, the gist of all of this is that we really should be very sensitive about, you know, the things that come out, especially during a tragic time like this. And finally, guys, want to give you guys a quick update on the Senate impeachment trial that's taking place. Of course, the Democrats completed their uh, oral arguments um, before the Senate on uh, Friday of last week. The Republicans started up on Saturday and they've been continuing uh, up until even today, I believe, uh, according to Politico. Um, President Donald Trump's legal team has resumed delivering opening arguments as of Monday, but explosive claims from former National Security Advisor John Bolton have the potential uh, to upend the trial. That's right, guys. News broke that a manuscript from John Bolton's upcoming book uh, is is uh, somehow got leaked out and uh, the press was made aware of this and this is again more evidence that needs to come out of course and more proof that witnesses need to be allowed to testify during the Senate impeachment trial and I just saw recently actually as we're recording this podcast I saw where Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell uh, confessed that they do not have enough votes to block witnesses for this trial. So we could very well uh, have witnesses, which I believe uh, should be the case in this Senate impeachment trial. It's a trial. You tell me what trial do you know of that ha- doesn't have any witnesses or any evidence. What kind of trial is that? To me, that's a uh, farce. That is a that is not a trial. That is a a cover up. And let's call it what it is. It's called a spade a spade. That's what it looks like to me. I'm sure that's what it looks like to you. And and so. Uh, it looks like things are, are starting to turn in uh, the Democrats' favor, so to speak. Um, but here are a few noteworthy moments from the uh, sixth day of the trial, the seventh day being today. Witnesses vote set for this coming Friday. Um, you know, Republicans should be wrapping up their arguments very soon. Friday, again, is going to be the, the point at which... A vote will take place. Mitch McConnell is going on record saying he does not have the votes at this point to block witnesses. Um, Mulvaney rejects Bolton's claims. Bolton's book uh, manuscript was leaked out. The president says he hasn't seen Bolton's manuscript, but of course, Republicans are are, are, are more than likely coming out and bashing. Uh, John Bolton, um, you know, saying that, uh, you know, these are false claims that, of course, they're trying to discredit this man's credibility and his testimony even before he has he's been given the opportunity to testify. 
So you see this really sh- this sham of a trial that's taking place. And what is continuing to baffle me is that it seems to me like it seems to me like everybody that is involved on the Republican side are doing their very best to sequester the truth, to cover up the truth. The more evidence that comes out, the more they're trying to, um, the more they're trying to criticize it. The more they're trying to scrutinize it, and and the more that the more, the less credence they're giving to it, in an effort to uh, to take the the air out of this Senate impeachment trial. And as you'll know, we talk about it during our interview with. Reverend Marcel Dyson, you know, whenever you see this, the handwriting is on the wall that that's that whoever is doing this, whoever whoever is responsible for this is is literally trying to hide something. And so the question becomes, what are you trying to hide? And the answer is very simple. They're trying to hide the truth. They're trying to hide the truth. Nothing more, nothing less. And if you're like me, you know, I want the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I want to know everything that went on. I want to know what's going on. But we already know. We already know what the truth is. He's guilty, and he should be removed from office. Love to get your thoughts and feedback on this and any of the other Topics that we discussed during tonight's show. Hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at TOL Radio Host MSN. Leave us a comment on our fan page, facebook.com forward slash Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Or send us an email at contact at michaelnemons.com or go to michaelnemons.com and leave us a comment on our official show page, Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Well, guys, we're getting ready to take our first break of the night. But when we come back, we're getting ready to get into part one of the gospel according to Reverend Marcia L. Dyson. You don't want to go anywhere. You're tuned in to one of the hottest radio shows online. It's a Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. You're tuned in to the Thinking Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Hi, my name is Maya, and you're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with radio show host and my daddy, Michael Nimmons. You better listen to that little girl. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were insufficient? Who told you that you were a loser? Who told you that you were a failure? Who told you that you were deficient? Who told you that you were nothing? Who told you that you were worthless? Who told you that you had no value? Who told you that you were you to believe? Who told you that you were naked? It's a dynamic, empowering, and inspiring book about identity that is a definite must-have. Pastor Nimmons talks about an identity crisis that dates as far back as the Garden of Eden. 
You don't want to miss these powerful insights into not just the problem of this identity crisis, but the discovery of the spiritual solution. Get your copy now, available on Amazon for just $14.95 or by visiting michaelnemons.com. Like a victim when you are already victorious. Thinking Out Loud Radio Show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Don't, 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 don't touch that dial. It's the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. We'll be right back. All right, guys, we are back on a very special edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And I have a very uh, inspirational and powerful uh, woman on the line with us on tonight. Uh, She has been on the show before, uh, and uh, I just can't wait to get into this interview with her. Uh, But I want to give her a proper introduction before we do that. She is uh, the president of Eminem Dyson. LLC, founder and president of Women's Global Initiative, former chief of staff for Operation Push International Trade Bureau, former public information officer of Mayor Daly's Office of Special Events for the City of Chicago, VP of R&J Dale Advertising and Public Relations, Margie Korshak, associate and contributor to Essence Magazine, The Griot, The Root. Huffington Post, advisors to United Nations, Women's and Conference of Black Mayors, former consultant the Clinton Foundation, member of Black Women's Roundtable, Women's Agenda, Spectrum Circle, National Council of Negro Women. I want you to give a warm Thinking Out Loud radio show welcome to our good friend, speaker, author, consultant, woman of influence, social activist, and thought leader, the Honorable Reverend Marcia L. Dyson. Welcome to the Thinking Out Loud radio show, Reverend Dyson. Thank you for having me. You know, before we, you know, get into uh, our interview, of course, um, we all know about the uh, tragic loss of uh, NBA legend Kobe Bryant that, um, uh, took place on Sunday, January the 26th, uh, is, um, been on the minds of so many people on Sunday morning, the world lost one of his greatest basketball players, greatest competitors, and some even would even say greatest heroes on Sunday morning, Laker legend, Kobe Bryant and his 13 year old daughter, uh, Gianna Marie and seven other passengers were killed in a helicopter crash. So, Reverend Dyson, you knew him and his family personally. I want you to tell our listeners how much Kobe means to you and how his loss impacts the world. We knew Kobe. His wife, and correctly so, was a very private person. Very seldom did we have an opportunity to interact with her. But to my husband's interaction with the NBA as a consultant and often on sports channels and we being season ticket holders 
for the Wizards here in Washington, D.C., and would go to wherever the All-Star Weekend would be held, we were definitely grafted into the NBA family. Even when some of the rookie camps would take place, we traveled with them. In fact, I spoke with them. So I don't want to say that we knew the entire family, but we did know Kobe, and especially my husband. He had his cell phone number. Uh, He had his email address. He would talk uh, to him at the NBA All-Star when they had very private meetings that weren't for the public where they had conversations. He discussed and debated him being the best player of the NBA, uh, overlooking the gentleman who came and revolutionized the game and made Nike the empire that it is, uh, came to my hometown and played for the Bulls, Michael Jordan. So what he meant to the world is an amazing thing. I came back from a meeting with the ambassador of St. Kitts, and in the course of her talking about forms of slavery and them being a former British uh, colony um, that amidst all of that, she invoked the name of Colby. You know, she was saying about the resilience of our ancestry and that how Colby just threw it in there like, you know, this crazy three throw was an example of resilience and how he lived for the court. So it's not just for Michael and I, but it's anybody who saw him play that you loved a person. You have to love people who perfect their art. And once he got off of the court, I think it was meaningful, just like Nipsey Hussle. A lot of people were not even into hip-hop, and I'm an old head. I call myself the original OG, old girl. When Nipsey Hussle died, I felt the same way as I do about Kobe Bryant. Why? Because, one, he looked at his own life. He didn't need anyone judging him. He was his juror in saying that, He realized some of the things in his life were not savory, especially after he had a son. He met the love of his life, like Kobe did with Vanessa. And he wanted to do something greater outside of himself, the reason why the Marathon Clothing Store and all the things he wanted to do by creating incubators for entrepreneurs took place. And unfortunately, we know his life was ended abruptly, unfortunately, by one of our own. And the thing about Kobe, he... He represented the ideal of black masculinity. On the court, his strength, his uh, sort of, not savoir-faire, but he had that swagger that we see and and people loved about President Obama with the basketball court. Of course, he could play better than President Obama, which the president would admit. But he represented this ideal of black manhood. Despite some of the things, you know, that happened in his life, he had a wife who stayed by him. He had four lovely daughters that he absolutely loved and adored. He was an example then of black parenthood, black fatherhood, which we often think, not in our own community, but the general public think is dismissed in our community, whether you have money or not. But Kobe was the poster boy for good, especially when we live in a society that has made black men, especially the poster boy for everything that is wrong in a patriarchal society, whether it's O.J. Simpson, whether it's R. Kelly, whether they try to do Russell Simmons. It doesn't matter what the sin or what we might perceive as the sin or the public harm might have been, no matter what it is or to whom it is, we become the poster boys for all that is bad. But Kobe 
what's like that for everything that we have an idealization which exists and is pervasive throughout our community. And I think that's the loss. And not only the loss about him dying at such an early age and then with his daughter is how he died, this abrupt end ironically doing what he loved and wanted to create a legacy through his daughters because he had no sons under no constraint was he not going to make it to the game. And I don't think I know his mindset, what he was thinking, but if we know Kobe on the court, if his daughter had a game, he had to get her there. If he was the coach, he had to be there. He had to be there with her. And though it seems sad, it's kind of a cherished, it's kind of a bittersweet moment to think that this is how he was. You know, when you look at his precious daughter, uh, Gianna, and I put it on my Instagram, it just reminds us, especially for us who have daughters, to when they have an idea of their dreams, we've got to help them to realize them. And Kobe reminded that uh, ideal not only to our daughters but to our sons. He grabbed his daughter's dream of wanting to play ball and didn't say, you're a girl, you can't do it. Come on. We saw the videos of him, you know, sitting by courtside, training her, telling about the moves, seeing them practicing on the court, you know, her bouncing up against her father, trying to get past his, you know, blocking her. That was an amazing example of what we are as a people, you know, especially as us as a parent. So I think that that's the tragedy. And globally, when we think about when I mentioned Nipsey Hussle, his idea, we think of Kobe only on the court. Well, off the court, he had that academy, the Mamba uh, Academy, so that kids, he said, who could not afford to go to some of these sports outlets to hone their games, to get out of the streets, he wanted to make sure that that was affordable. And he started a line of books so we could increase our literacy in the context of blackness. And him, though he had some writers with him, that was going to not rival but be the example of a Harry Potter that was constantly stimulate children to read, 500, 300 pages, 200 pages, which is unprecedented. Also, he had a venture, a capitalist company, that he was trying to invest in other countries like our friend Robert F. Smith. So the tragedy is is that we lost not only a great athlete, a great father, a beautiful black man, we lost the opportunity for his philanthropy to continue to really nurture and to benefit others, which was part of his intent. So when you think about all that, it was a great loss. And then you think of the tragedy of his wife, and God bless her. You know, I say as a minister, I can really say that prayer alone can fill the two holes now in her heart. But I can believe that with the love of her three daughters, that that might be able to pull her to, through and them through out of this dark moment. So I do ask for the prayers. It's the only thing that we can offer because words cannot console her loss. So, again, the whole family um, and how he kept them, they were private. You get peaks of them. It's also a representation of him chilling, chilling and protecting those greatest treasures to him, his wife and his daughters. I completely and totally agree with you. I mean, you know, you definitely put it into to words that um, he was more than just a basketball player. Uh, he was an icon, a legend. And and he really, 
he really feels like uh, he was a family member of ours because, you know, when I when the news broke that he had passed away, uh, I felt like many people who are listening and those who heard the news felt like one of their own family members had passed away. And to know that he was with his daughter, 13 years old, a life full of promise, a life full of so much potential. And um, and all you can really say at this point is gone too soon. But even in all of that, God knows. The Mitchell tells great he was, so um, Michael said, whenever he was, especially when he was playing his last season, and it happened in the with the Wizards Stadium, regardless, whenever he would play, you would have sworn you was in L.A. because the avid ticket season holders for the Wizards were so on that gold and purple. I remember Michael, we sat right there on the floor near the court under the basket, and he had on his Lakers jersey, and oftentimes we would go into the Wizards owner's dining room and have dinner, and the owner looked at him like, man, you can't going there with a Lakers jersey on. You know, I've got all my investors back here, the other owners of it, and you're going to walk back in here with our opponent's jersey on. So Michael chose not to go back that time. (laughs) And I remember the last game that he played here, and I call it his retirement season or tour. I have it on audio. Uh, Michael had videos him coming over and hugging him and Michael, you know, reinducing him to me and saying, hey, there's Marcin. And the last thing I said to him is that I'm going to miss you. And I keep replaying that, and I'm going to miss you even now, Colby. I'm going to miss all the things that you had done that we didn't know were re- uh, happening until now and things that I did know, but I didn't know the extent to all the treasures that he had hidden, like Christmas, like a Santa Claus, not being able to deliver them to not only our community, to a global community, what he was doing in China. So because he wanted to do something that I do practice in one of my consultancies is sports diplomacy. He knew that that ball held in his hand was like the globe, the world in his hand, and he could take that as a sports diplomat to other places as a way into which people could learn to be team members, that they could learn about aggression, that they could learn some form of organizational skills and the entrepreneurship about that as well. We miss those stories unless you're in that kind of world. But because I work in sports diplomacy, I know that what's something he did, such as um, – uh, Natimba did as well and, and other players. And so he was a sports diplomat. And even though we know that everybody has brand shoes, you never saw Kobe pushing it as hard, you know, because I can tell you, you could name a brand and you can name the player. I think people may or may not remember who whose brand that Kobe wore because he was bigger than any brand. He was bigger than anything on his foot. He wasn't like Michael Jordan that revolutionized Nike. He revolutionized the game with the ideal of Michael Jordan, all those who came before him. But he just did it so fresh, so different. And we do know, too, that the uh, Basketball Hall of Fame uh, waived uh, unprecedentedly the uh, nomination for him. They're going to allow Kobe Bryant, of course, to be 
inducted to the Hall of Fame. They're not waiting for a vote, you know, and that's the mm. first time that has ever happened in history. So that's a great tribute to him. Uh, this coming August, I'm quite sure, like with the NBA All-Star Weekend to be held in my hometown of Chicago, there are going to be more people in the city because of the tribute we know that the NBA would be doing for Kobe and just being around something that he loved on that magnitude with all the players to whom he uh, utilized as idols and for those to whom he challenged on, on the court. So I imagine this August and in uh, the Hall of Fame for basketball that that area too would be packed because we want to honor this man and his legacy on the court and off the court. Author and speaker, Dr. Eddie Connor. I, I was reading something the other day, and it's, it's interesting. Uh, it's been 50 years since uh, Dr. King was killed. And 50 years later, they're still killing kings, you know, uh, to, to really speak truth to power, but also to, to speak to our young men about uh, police brutality, but also the whole spectrum that, in many cases, they live in the crosshairs of society. We can give them all the, the tips, tools, and things of the trade of how to govern yourself accordingly. But we see young men all across America, and we, you know, uh, in many cases, we just become desensitized to a young man who is shot and killed because the police were threatened by the fact that he pulled something out of his pocket and it was a phone when they thought it was a gun. Practitioner and spokesperson, Dr. Victoria Dooley. I do feel strongly that as the African-American community and the church, we need to take mental illness more seriously, and we need to make it okay for somebody to seek out health care for mental health issues other than prayer. Absolutely, 100%. Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, Rochelle Riley. Uh, I, I can tell you, and before we leave uh, Ali, let me tell you that it wasn't just an interview with him, but my very first column called for the city of Louisville to have a museum for him because at that time there was nothing bearing his name except a little strip of street, you know, how it works in some cities where Martin Luther King Boulevard is in a part of town, but in the rest of the town it's named something else. That column ran and the mayor and other folks who knew better and who were embarrassed by it said, okay, it's time. And that helped lead to this effort that had been going on for some time to raise $80 million to build the Muhammad Ali Center, which now exists on the banks of the Ohio River. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Everybody, this is Sandra Ramekin, Director of Outreach and Education for Alternatives for Girls in Detroit, and you're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with the amazing Michael Nimmin. The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you.
You're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked. I know you guys are enjoying our interview with Reverend Marcia L. Dyson. Let's get back into this powerful and inspiring interview. Absolutely. I know you guys are enjoying our interview with Reverend Marcia Dyson, who uh, very poignantly put into words the the life and the legacy of icon, legend, NBA great Kobe Bryant. And of course, um, this tragic, uh, tragic helicopter accident uh, that that took the life of this this NBA icon and his daughter. Gianna, 13 years old, and seven other passengers that were on this helicopter headed to a tournament where his daughter was slated to play. Gone too soon, but never forgotten. Absolutely. So let's start here, Reverend Dyson. You know, it's been a few months. Uh, Actually, it might have been, um, it's been several months since you've been on the Thinking Out Loud radio show for the first time. If you recall, you were on the show uh, discussing women in politics. And that was just a tremendous conversation. So powerful, we actually had to do two parts. And I think in this particular uh, interview, we're going to do the same thing. But um, I want to know from you, I want you to tell our listeners what you've been up to since you were on our show last discussing women in politics. I've been traveling a lot this past six months. Uh, the last trip that I took was in the Middle East to the state of Qatar that is hosting the World Cup in 2022. I took on my platform with me, a Women's Global Initiative platform, a delegation of women who were social influencers so that we could get a better understanding or rather yet they could get a better understanding of the culture, the religion in the Middle East using Qatar, which is a beautiful um, Middle Eastern country, as our landing spot so that when we have these conversations and hopefully we'll talk about uh, foreign policies and politics and the presidential campaign as it is now, that we have to be informed citizens. And the best way for me to get that information is not through our agencies, not through the news, not through television, but through actually travel. So I took these women, though it may seem like it was a fashion trip, it was an informative trip so they could have these conversations, learn the culture, understand about the women policies overseas as well. And for me, it was an opportunity to expand their worldview. And for me, that was a delight. Also, I'm totally engaged in the political process. I won't say who I'm uh, campaigning for as yet because I'm watching each individual, what they're putting forth, how fact-driven it is, because I'm not about a popularity contest. This is not the Baskin and Robert, uh, Robin's flavor of the 
next four years. This is about my grandchildren's future. It's about my current life, you know, as I get older. And it's about the communities that are underserved in America. So I have been making some um, input into that, making recommendations to any of the candidates that will listen to me, whether it's through a text or through their representatives as well. I have also been engaged in, of course, social justice around police brutality, the unwarranted abuse by the police department on innocent individuals, men and women. I have also, through my social justice platform, been advocating for quality education and mentorship. And more importantly, for African Americans particularly, I've been a lot uh, lately been engaged in economic literacy rather than entrepreneurship only, as Robert F. Smith likes to tell us, so that we can have some wealth. Uh, it's one thing to keep up with the Joneses, but you've got to have some, a vehicle in which to keep abreast of not only what, what the Joneses are doing, but we have to look at we need, well, how we need wealth development for our children because we don't know really what the future has in store for them. Unlike when I was a kid, you could say, I want to be a teacher, I want to be a doctor, I wanted to own a shop. But technology is shrinking those opportunities, and we cannot yet plan for it. So I, all of those things have been um, occupying my time in the last few months. Wow. I know you guys are enjoying our interview with the Honorable Reverend Marcia L. Dyson. She is back with us on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And as you can see, she is not just a citizen of this country, but she's a global citizen and someone that is um, knowledgeable, uh, not just in what 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 the, the politics of this country, but what's taking place in the world around her. And so happy again to have her on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And uh, as I said to you all fair, I have a number of questions for you. Hopefully we can get to them all. And I'm sure there's there's even some things that are on your mind that you want to discuss as well. So um, let's let's start here uh, with with what is happening um, in Washington right now. Of course, you know about what's taking place um, in the um, in the Senate with the impeachment hearings. So I want to get. Uh, your perspective on uh, what's happening. What, what do you think of the impeachment hearing so far? It, what grade would you give the Democrats on the handling of the impeachment of Donald Trump? You know, um, Nancy Pelosi, I believe we, we talked about, you know, how brilliant of a politician she is when we were talking women in politics uh, on your first in your first interview. But I really believe that, um, you know, she has really stepped up her game uh, in in a lot of re- in a lot of regards in the handling of this of this impeachment uh, process in the House of Representatives and then holding the articles of impeachment before uh, sending them over to the Senate to start the trial, because we know that uh, Mitch McConnell, the, uh, the, the Senate majority leader, has gone on records saying that he's working with the White House to, uh, you know, expedite things and to, um, you know, fast track this Senate trial uh, in in an effort to acquit the president. So with that, all that being said, what grade would you give the Democrats on the handling of the impeachment of Donald Trump? I would give them a B plus. And as to the House Speaker, 
I think that she's a mighty might, and she is powerful. She's informed, and she won't take no for the fever. I think that she's doing a stellar job in her office as a speaker for the House and carrying over the article of uh, the I, I I agree with you a hundred percent. Um, you know, especially when leading up to this, she was feeling pressure by uh, some of the freshman um, congressmen to move uh, the move this process along much quicker than she would have liked to. But then the president helped her out with, um, you know making this phone call to the Ukrainian president and extorting basically uh, the, the, him to, uh, to try to get um, dirt on, on Joe Biden or to investigate him uh, and his son. So uh, yeah, I, again, I, I really think Nancy Pelosi has, has done a stellar job in, in the handling of the impeachment of Donald Trump and, and, as you see, she's really not making it about her like or dislike of him, which is what the Republicans are trying to do or say to 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 throw um, to throw uh, dirt or uh, to to kind of put the fire out uh, of the of the weight of the articles of impeachment that they just don't like the president. No, it's not that they don't like him; they don't. They, they 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 believe and again he's proven that he has broken uh he's broken the law he has not uh he is he's he's abused his power as president of the United States and that's what these uh this Senate impeachment trial is is all about absolutely and I do applaud uh speaker Pelosi for taking that slow train to mm-hmm. impeachment with her slowness, as they would say, or her ready, unwillingness and unreadiness to pounce up on the subject matter because of her wisdom, she knew to take her pace. And by doing so, she got the prize that she probably was not even expecting is the president basically shooting himself in the foot. So that her taking that time made it more formidable for her to do what she has done this past few weeks. So her thing now, and what I would say to them is for the Democrats not to do what we accuse the Republicans of doing. There's a scripture that says, envy not your uh, oppressor, nor choose any of their ways. So now we don't need them tweeting. Uh, We don't need... (laughs) them to sort of minimalize the importance of what is happening by trivializing through pettiness, which we're all suspect to while this grand situation takes place in the Senate, that they hold their course, that they let the Senate, that they advocate to their partners in the Senate to do their due diligence with integrity Right. And with transparency, which we don't seem to get a lot of uh, at this particular point. And so that the public can actually know, because, like I said before, doing even Clinton's impeachment, except for television, we didn't have the tidbits that we could get now. We don't have the leaking 
uh, that we have now because there was no place to leak, sort of. <laughs> I do remember that. And I do know that, of course, with the Knicks, and we had no idea. All we had to do was wait to see this was happen like it was a beginning and end film, and that was it. But now we have the opportunity to clip it, the film, if we want to use that analogy of it being, you know, a, sort of like a film or a story. We can clip it, we can amend to it, and we can add the truth, and we can include more cast members into it based upon the information that we receive. And for that, every American citizen should be pleased with because no matter what is happening on the Hill, they're doing it on our behalf. The leaders are there to represent us, and we should have all the information so that we can inform ourselves and the people into whom we interact with on social media with sound information and use that same wise judgment that Nancy Pelosi did in her waiting waiting for her to do the strong act that she did. I I totally, totally agree. I know you guys are enjoying our interview. She's back, that's right, the honorable Marcia L. Dyson, speaker, social activist, author Thought leader, she's back with us tonight on the Thinking Out Loud radio show, and we're just so happy to have her. We've just been talking about this uh, Senate impeachment hearing that um, is um, underway uh, on Capitol Hill, and um, the Democrats just ended their um, their their portion of the uh, of the trial, I believe, on yesterday evening, and and so this leads me to my next question. Um, uh, Reverend Dyson, what do you think the long-term effect of the Republican Party will be if they, in fact, fast-track this trial, don't allow witnesses or evidence, and ultimately acquit this president of any wrongdoing? What do you think the the, the ultimate uh, impact will be or effect of the Republican Party will be if all of this takes place? The impact just won't be on the Republican Party. It would be on the people who sort of sanction silently this behavior. It definitely would be a turn of tide for us constitutionally. It would be devastating to know that the highest body of people in our nation outside of the Supreme Court would now allow a proper procedure to take place on this impeachment. First, it would create the anger because when you look at it and you identify with your own social environment, we would say, wow, especially for African-Americans, this is what we get all the time, the swift to to not acquit us, but to indict us. And so if we have that unfairness on a very ground base level, to see it enacted on the highest plane, I think that it'll be demoralizing. I think that it would create even greater division. And I think that the Republican Party would have such a stain on it. They're talking about what the uh, House has done. I think that they would create a greater stain of the disuniting of the United States of America on this flag and on this nation. And for ages and for uh, for at least, I would think, several presidential terms because it would change the dynamics of how we deal with situations such as an impeachment in our government. And I think that that's very sad. There's never a, there's a public court of opinion, but for impeachment, there is a legislative court 
of knowledge and expectation, whether it's executive right, privilege or not, to allow the witnesses to come forth. I think that we're in a time of America that we need somebody, we need some entity to be wholesome and transparent so that we can have a better, greater, I think, a greater feel for the country into which we live. And we don't. That's the reason why we're in this mess that we're in now. Nobody is feeling comfortable. Everybody is divided on the streets. And, and a government, local and federally so. So we need there to be an exemplar moral representation of the Senate and of the executive branch to allow the proper procedures to go forward, whether they're allowed or not, so that we can at least say, darn, we may not have liked, if, okay, the Super Bowl is coming up. Uh, we may not like the NFL at this time, if we can use that executive branch. We may not even like the team that has ended up being uh, in the last contest for the football season. But at least we want to know what the plays are, right? We want to see the touchdowns. We want to see who's tied line. We want, to, we want to see all that, who's making the punts. We need to see that now. We don't need to just get the score. We need to see the full game, and I'm hoping, and this is not for the Republican Party. I'm not playing party politics. I'm talking about people who are impacted by what they do and what it means for ages to come as an American citizen. Because right now, I have that adage, don't hate the play, I hate the game. So what does this mean for the future? How do we untie this if we have a president who is doing well, and then they come back and say, well, we don't like it, whether it's the Republican Party or anybody else, and we are subject to the same behavior. You get the same impact, the same effect, and the same effect. And that is nothingness and leaving American citizens in obscurity that we're not back into a uh, sort of a feudal sort of system as far as the lack of information and the willingness for those who are reigning over us to do the right thing, be they Republican right now, it's in their court, or the Democrats if it's ever in their court, on the Senate level around this impeachment. You're tuned in to the thinking out loud radio show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Award-winning journalist, Carolyn Clifford. As journalists, we just have to keep doing what we're doing day in and day out. All we can do is report the truth in a non-biased manner, and everything else will work itself out. Activist and thought leader, Marcia L. Dyson. Obviously not Nancy Pelosi, because again, because of social media, she said what she said, but that... She's not going to be the ones who stopped uh, her colleagues from not only thinking out loud, but talking out loud, whoever they are, authentically. Pastor and intellectual, Dr. Frederick Haynes III. The black church, according to the uh, brilliant author and historian and scholar, L.H. Welchel, uh, he said the black church was born as a protest movement. Uh, that's the reason the black church came to be. And if we're going to be honest to uh, scripture, I mean, the church itself uh, came out protesting. It was a movement of prophetic witness uh, to 
you know, the insurrection of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. What's cracking Planet Earth? It's your boy Griff, comedian, author, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, philanthropist, but a Jesus Christ lover. You understand me? And you're listening to Thinking Out Loud Radio with my homeboy, Michael Nemes. Check him out right here. Go ahead, Mike. Give him that good, good. The Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked. I hope you guys enjoy part one of our interview with Reverend Marcia L. Dyson. Let's hear the conclusion of part one of this powerful and inspiring interview. Yeah, you know, it's, it's yeah, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but, but yeah, it's, um, I, I keep thinking about how is the Republican Party going to recover from this if if they just blindly support this president in spite of all the evidence that's been presented in spite of all of the things that he's done uh and 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 everybody can see that that he has has abused his power and they just sit they're just you know in lockstep behind him and it seems like they're going to acquit him of this, uh, of of what he's done completely. Someone accused me on Twitter today of uh, basically not having anything to say about the oppressive. It's, and I really don't care what the demise of the Republican Party is. If mm. they shoot themselves in the own foot, they're then going to hop around. <laughs> are putting this forward. So I'm not going to give it a blessing and I'm not going to give it a curse because they're doing their own uh, undermining themselves from the dust. Good for them. If they don't rise up, good for us. Right. (laughs) Right. This is the hill they chose to die on. Absolutely. I mean, everybody, you know, chooses how they want to live their life. Every organization chooses how they want to be represented or misrepresented, and how they become defunct or not. And that's what we have to remember is that this particular juncture to me in history is more than about the Democrats and the Republicans, Trump, and all of us. I think this is a turn of the tide 
of how America will be for centuries to come. And that's what we need to focus on because right now we're talking about a situation that could be only um, a few months if Trump, whether he's impeached or not and still in the office, if he's not reelected, eight years at the most, if he is reelected, I don't think so. But what is it about the process itself for all of us for those years to come? And that's what we should be concerned about. And so what I had to do is take back uh, a few steps myself. I had to run to the Constitution. I had to see what people were saying. I was saying what they were basing it up on because this is not about Trump only. This is about a time in American history where hundreds of millions of people are more engaged in politics than ever before. And if we are not informed and we're ignorant of the process and what we're watching and doing, we have not done nothing but Trumpize ourselves into ignorance, and we will make the missteps when someone we think is more viable honest, has greater integrity, and not only consider us, but our other citizens in the world and their policies and the things into which a president gets us into, we will be stepping on our foot just like the Republicans are shooting themselves in the foot, and we will not transgress as a country. I'm not talking about Malcolm X, chickens coming home to roost, but we do know the sun did set on the British Empire. And I'm not saying that because Rome don't fall. Rome and all the countries that I mentioned or nations that I mentioned, we're talking about geography. I'm talking about the morality of the citizens are at stake. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know you guys are enjoying our interview with uh, the <laughs> with Mar- Reverend Marcia L. Dyson. I mean, she is back with us on the Thinking Out Loud radio show, dropping some fire on us uh with the uh senate impeachment hearings really just giving uh some insight into uh what's going on and again talking about what is going to be the some of the residual effects of the republican party the spineless republican party that is blindly walking in lockstep behind this president and um i am you know it's it's just amazing to to see these senators who who uh, the point I wanted to make in listening to you, this same Republican Party back in 2016 were uh, diametrically opposed to everything that uh, this president uh, was doing. They didn't pick him. The, 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 The people who voted for him picked him. But he was not the Republican Party's first choice. He wasn't even their last choice. But now it seems like <laughs> but well, it seems like they have taken it, it. It's like a complete about face. You listen to Lindsey Graham in 2016, and listen to him now, and he is two different people. I can't. I can't. I. I, I don't know what. Well, you know, politics is a contact sport, and you have to be big-hearted and hardened to play the game. I just think about it, and I talked earlier when you asked me what has I been doing lately I forgot about Africa and I said oh here's what I must really feel in my soul I call all the people I know who have some power 
in various countries in Africa for dual citizenship. So that let me know, like, Marcia, you really think that it's going to hit the fan. <laughs> <laughs> you know I, mean? I mean, I had to think about it. You know, now that I looked at my notes, I said, whoa, I'm trying to get my family up out of here. There's safe rooms if you're wealthy. And I did tell one of my friends, I think I'm going to need a safe country for my, my family and my grandchildren, right? So Ghana has the year to return. I've been talking to the ambassador and people there. And I've been, I was in South Africa for Mandela's 100th anniversary. I could go there. I've been talking to my friends in Namibia and Botswana and Tanzania, which ironically was put on a list for travel ban by Trump. And I'm like, okay. And so I forgot about that to talk to you on. So, yes, so I think in the core of my being, I'm not happy with things that are happening through this administration as far as foreign policy, putting us uh, in the line of fire. We could talk about the trade with agreements with China and the whole situation with NAFTA. Uh, But because I do travel, I have a better understanding as a layperson in geopolitics to know what is true and what is not, which might be the reason why I've reached out seriously um, as well. I just, you know, I just hate the times that we live in. I, I imagine that everybody may have sat where I'm sitting now and said, God, I just hate the times that we're living in this the total discord, especially as an African-American. I understand why Randall Robinson quit it. I understand why so many young people are taking the invitation to go abroad and maybe even to take the land rights that Ghana and other countries are offered because it's such a burden to wake up as a black person. For us, it's just not about the Republicans. It's about our blackness on the street, the opposition, whether it's in the courts, local and federally. You know, it's about what is happening in the cities. It's about the lack of education while we're talking about impeachment. Who's advocating for a quality education and greater pay for our educators? It's such a burden to be black, and it's definitely a burden to be poor, right? Right. So we're talking about the increase of the uh, employment uh, for African-Americans. I beg to differ for those who still live below the poverty line. We're talking about people who may have had jobs and reclaimed jobs. What about the ones who don't have it, the kids who are killing themselves in the street, the high rise of suicide among black children for the lack of hope because they don't see this future, this grand banner of the greater America coming out of our government. Don't, 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 don't touch that dial. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. This is Michael Eric Dyson. And when I'm in Detroit, I listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Dropping that knowledge, giving that inspiration, giving us that enlightenment. Nobody does it like Brother Michael does it. Do your thing. Holla. Peace. The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Congratulations to Pastor Michael Nimmons and the Thinking Out Loud radio show for over 10,000 streams and downloads. Rate, review, and subscribe to the Thinking Out Loud radio show, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, and now available at michaelnimmons.com.
The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were insufficient? Who told you that you were a loser? Who told you that you were a failure? Who told you that you were deficient? Who told you that you were nothing? Who told you that you were worthless? Who told you that you had no value? Who told you that you were you to believe? Who told you that you were naked? It's a dynamic, empowering, and inspiring book about identity that is a definite must-have. Pastor Nimmons talks about an identity crisis that dates as far back as the Garden of Eden. You don't want to miss these powerful insights into not just the problem of this identity crisis, but the discovery of the spiritual solution. Get your copy now, available on Amazon for just $14.95 or by visiting michaelnemons.com. Like a victim when you are already victorious. Stay tuned for more motivation, more inspiration, and more empowerment on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked. It's time. Time. is taken from James the fourth chapter verses 13 to 14 where it says come now ye that say today or tomorrow we'll go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain whereas you know not what will be on the morrow for what is life it's even a vapor that appear for a little time and then vanishes away what is life what a question sure there's so many answers we could probably give that we think would adequately define what life really is some might say life is being a success others might say life is about family someone else might say that life is the pursuit of happiness finding out what makes you happy and then pursuing it so many definitions so many interpretations so many different answers to what life really is What is most surprising is how James decides to answer this eternal question. He says, it is but a vapor that appeared for a little while and then vanishes away. What a seemingly simplistic and yet unjustifiable synopsis of a period of time that seems to extend far beyond the small time frame of a vapor. However, this is just how James wants us to understand the internal question of the merits of life. It was Shakespeare who said that life is a tale told by two idiots full of sound and fury signifying nothing. It was the philosopher Schopenhauer that said that life is an endless pain with a painful end. 
It was Paul Lawrence Dunbar who surmised crust of bread and a corner to sleep in, a minute to smile, an hour to weep in, a pint of joy to a peck of sorrow, and never to laugh, but the moans come double, and that is life. I'm sure all of us can attest to the intricacies of life that these bards of literature have offered us as insights into this internal question. And yet even they could not adequately capture what the essence of life really is. It is so much more and yet also seems, according to James, so much less. A balancing act of purpose and conscience that divinely intersects with one another. On the morning of Sunday, January 26, a helicopter carrying nine passengers, including NBA great Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna Marie, were headed to a tournament where her and her Mamba teammates were scheduled to play in. When this helicopter exploded into the mountains of Los Angeles, all nine passengers, including Kobe and his daughter Gianna, lost their lives that fateful day. Gone too soon is what many have said about Kobe, 41, and his daughter, 13. Lives full of promise, future as bright as the morning sun, and yet the sun chose to set on their fragile lives more than 48 hours ago. The world mourns this loss as if it was one of our own family members. It feels as if we all lost someone near and dear to our hearts. But God's word is there as a reminder that tomorrow was not promised to any one of us. Regardless of how famous, wealthy, or successful we are, no one has earned the right to see tomorrow. No one deserves tomorrow. Tomorrow is not a commodity that any one of us can buy. It's not a piece that we can bid on. It's not an item that's up for sale. It is just as James describes, but a vapor that appeared for a while, whether it's 41 years, 13 years, or 100 years, and it vanishes away. Their deaths are a reminder of how fleeting and fragile life is. We cannot afford to take it for granted. We must value and treasure the measure of life that each of us has been given. We must always remember that our lives, as fragile as they are, are in the hands of the Creator, the life giver, the one who bestowed upon us this precious gift in the beginning. There is no better hands than we can place our lives in. No better care than we can put our destinies in than the one who is solely responsible for our existence. So hug your loved ones a little bit tighter. Live your life a little bit fuller. Shine your light a little bit brighter. Because you never know when your life will ultimately vanish away. And while we may not know when that day will come, it is most important to know the one for whom without him, life would be meaningless. Life would be hopeless. Life would be nothing. Knowing him makes the difference. Knowing him makes life indeed worth living. Rest in peace. Kobe Bryant and Gianna Marie. give a special thanks to Reverend Marcia L. Dyson for being on the show with us on tonight. This is just part one of our amazing conversation. 
We'll be sharing with you part two of the gospel according to Reverend Marcia L. Dyson next week. You don't want to miss it. Thank you again for tuning in to this week's show. We truly appreciate you. We hope you enjoyed it. Remember to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thinking out loud radio show or on Twitter and Instagram at TOL Radio Host MSN or TOL Radio Show. Leave us a comment on our Thinking Out Loud radio show official show page at michaelnemons.com or drop us a line and send us an email at contact at michaelnemons.com. A lot of ways to keep in touch with us, guys. We want to hear from you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the Thinking Out Loud podcast. Your support helps us to increase our exposure across the world wide web. Well, that's all for tonight. We again thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to tune in next week when we're giving you part two of the Gospel According to Reverend Marcel Dyson. It's a show you don't want to miss. And so until next time, always remember, if you can think it, you can believe it. If you can believe it, you can see it. If you can see it, you can achieve it. The power rests within you. The mind is the most powerful muscle in your body. Use what you got to get what you want. The power is in you. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast. Be sure to support all of our radio show partners. If you like the show, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. Want to book radio show host Michael Nimitz for a speaking engagement, book signing, or corporate event? Send an email to contact at michaelnimitz.com. Be sure to follow the show on all of its social media accounts on Instagram at the TOL Radio Show, on Twitter at TOL Radio Show, or on our Facebook fan page at www.facebook.com forward slash Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Are you an entrepreneur? Want to advertise? Become a Thinking Out Loud Radio Show partner and take advantage of our free introductory advertising offers. Send an email to Thinking Out Loud Radio Show at gmail.com for more details. Visit the new home of the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show at www.michaelnemons.com forward slash TOL Radio Show. The Thinking Out Loud Radio Show, giving voice to issues that matter to you.